Hello again. This is Digging for Something. And once again, I am your host, JJ. So the last few podcasts, I started them off with a little story of something that annoyed me. So figured, hey, why don't I keep going? Uh, start out every podcast like that. So what is going to be my anecdote today? And <laughs> it was very easy to come by because it's something that's annoyed me for a while, though I like it. I'm, I'm not sure if it's every supermarket, but Publix, which is a supermarket that I go to often uh, and actually worked there for many years in my younger days. Well, if you want to go to the deli to get cold cuts, there's typically a line. Now, I'm somebody, I, ham and cheese, pff, I can eat that every day, and typically I do. If I don't make it myself, I go to uh, a good local sub shop. Now, when I say a good local sub shop, I'm not talking Subway because that's just, ugh, ugh, that's just garbage. I'm talking about a really good sub shop. You know, where they really, where they're loaded up, they cut the things right in front of you. They're just like packing it and just like, you can tell where it's from and it's just so good. But, you know, this day and age, can't afford to do that every day, so I'll make my own. Um, and what I like about the supermarket I go to is instead of, of uh, waiting in line, I can just order online and it'll be in a pickup area where I just, once I'm done shopping, I just grab it. So typically I will order it from home and uh, and I think the default time is always 30 minutes. I don't think I've ever um, had a different time. Uh, maybe it changes, I don't know if it's uh, like, let's say peak or non-peak, but it's usually 30 minutes. And I will, I usually leave, head over there when it's about maybe 10 minutes left, but I'll get some shopping in first. And what I'll do is, I'll, I don't even go to the deli counter. I'll just walk around and get the things I need. Uh, sometimes it's a few things, sometimes it's a lot, sometimes I just like to look. Uh, why not? And uh, typically I don't go when I'm hungry because then you just buy a whole lot more. So... It's great because if you go there and wait in line, sometimes you're sitting there 10, 15 minutes just to get served. Now, I don't, I don't blame the, the uh, people who work in, in the deli uh, department. Uh, you know, they're doing the best they can, it just, but it's annoying. And uh, it can get quite frustrating. So that's why this is the best thing to do. Now, usually when I finish shopping, uh, then I'll... Before I get the cold stuff, I will head to the deli to see if it's made the case there or not. And if it has, I'll grab it, get the cold stuff, or maybe I'll get the, I'll go get the cold stuff first and go back there. Depends. Depends how much I actually have left to do. Um, and uh, it's great. I, I save time. Um, 
You don't have to. And the good thing about the app is you could actually say how thick you want your meat and how thick you want your cheese and um, and the weight and all that. It's, it's, it's very simple. You know, sometimes you go there, you want something thin, and it's kind of a little bad. Oh, how thin? I don't know. I don't know. This pretty much it, it gives the, uh, the, um, the guide of what you should order, how you should order it, if, uh, depending how you like it. So it's perfect, and you don't have to worry about uh, negotiating the thickness or anything like that. Um, because I'm sure it's happened to everybody where you go there, you ask for a specific cut and it just gets annoying because they, they, they just don't understand, but this app makes it simple. And, uh, I've done this. I don't even know how many times. And it is annoying when I go to the case and let's say it's already been past 30 minutes. We're on 45 minutes and still not there. And there's been times where it's been an hour and it's still not there. So I get annoyed. It's like, you know, I did this to save time. Um, and these will be times when the, when the deli department is not, there's not even a lot of people waiting. So it's like, what's taking so long? And you, you they'll typically have one person who, who, uh, who does the the uh, online orders? So I'll I'll go ahead and ask, and and they'll be they'll look and say, oh yeah, we have it. We'll do it now. It's just like, oh, why did I do it online? I could have just come here, but that's fine. It happens. It's annoying, but usually I I, I never want to be that rude customer, uh, unless somebody's really rude and uh, disrespectful to me. I just kind of go with it. I, I I might get a little frustrated, but um, I'll just, I'll just let it go and say, yeah, it's okay. I'll wait just, and they'll take care of it. Now, even though that's annoying, what really, really annoys me is when somebody takes my order. Believe it or not, it happens. It's not even prepaid. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's not prepaid. So the person who took it still has to pay for it. Now, it might've been their lucky day. The uh, deli department was 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 swamped. They, uh, they, their ticket was number sixty two, and they were on forty nine. So they're like, "Oh, let's see what's in the case. What somebody else ordered? Oh, perfect ham. Oh, provolone. That's what I wanted anyway. Uh, and, and even if it's not, they'll just take it. I wanted Munster, but who cares? I'll take provolone. So the people who take those online orders just because they can that really really annoys me. And, um, and it's, it's happened a few times. So I will go and I'll say, you know, I, I ordered something online and, da, 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 and they'll be like, Oh no, I remember doing it. And the deli, uh, staff has told me that, yeah, we've had this problem before. So all you people out there who want to steal from the online order case because you're lazy, don't. It's a big character flaw. It's annoying. And you don't want it being done to you. So there's really, really no excuse. I mean, it's not like it's an emergency. It's cold cuts. It's not an emergency. It's just lazy. It's rude. Don't do it. I, I'm begging. Don't do it. I want my deli meat. And I want it already there. Okay? That's all I ask. Am I asking too much? I don't think so. Do you think so? No? Great. Thank you. All right. Let's move on. 
So today, I want to give a birthday shout out to somebody very special. My daughter. It is her birthday. And she's at that age where it's tough. It really is tough. And, uh, you know, I've, if anybody's heard my Father's Day podcast, um, you know, I mean, my kids are everything to me. Uh, I'll do anything for them. Um, no matter what's going on in my life, they're, they're number one. And, uh, uh, I take great pride in being a father. I think that's, this is my most important role in life. Um, and yes, my daughter, she's a handful at times. She's a teenager and she plays it very well. Um, and it's tough because I look at her as my little girl, but she's not a little girl. She's a teenager who's, I think, taller than her mother. <laughs> so yeah, she's not a little girl anymore. I mean, but I, I still remember, I mean, her birth, uh, I'm not going to lie, I shed a tear. Um, and the funny thing about it, I'm not a kid person. By nature, I'm not a kid person. And I, when I was becoming a father, I, I kind of worried about that. Um, you know, I, I'm not a kid person. How am I going to handle it? But I don't know. It's just, it's different when it's your own kids. Um, and it's, it's like a switch turns on. Uh, and of course, there are those horrible parents out there who maybe don't have the switch or decide to turn it off again. But to me, that once that switch turned on, it never turned off, and uh, it's been, it's been, I mean, so many memories, and um, just watching your children, your child, your children, however many you may have grow, it's, uh, you take great pride in them, and uh, I remember cutting my daughter's umbilical cord, and <laughs> it was I was so nervous because, you know, it, if it's your first child, it's not like you've done this before. It's not like just practice. You just get a pair of scissors and uh, you get a rubber tube and cut. And they're like, okay, that's how it is. It's it's very different. It's like, okay, here, this child comes out. They're wrapping and they're wrapping her. And then the doctor's down there doing something. And it just, your your head is spinning. And then he's camping here, clamping there, handing you the scissors and say, okay, cut. And you're like, oh. So I'm, I'm like shaking, trying to cut, and it was, it's very weird cutting it. it but it was, it's something that you know I remember like it was yesterday cutting cutting that umbilical cord, and um, it, it's, you know, it's, you know, the, the mother obviously has a bond giving birth, uh, but at, cutting the umbilical cord as a father, I think it's just. It's something that, you know, it's like your part. That's your part. That's your role in that moment. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, something I'll never forget. And, yeah, it's just amazing, that birth. And, uh, you know, from that day forward, that was my little girl. And uh, I think I've mentioned during this podcast that, yes, I am divorced. Um, my children's mother and I have, have a, a good a decent, a good relationship. Um, you know, we're co-parenting, and uh, uh, I think we're doing a good job. We, we try to stay on the same page, and 
um, do everything that's necessary for kids to to not bear the brunt of uh, what went on between their mother and myself. So I think we're doing a very good job at it. Obviously, sometimes it's it's difficult. Uh, it's never perfect, but the the goal is to raise your children. So if if both sides maintain that goal, you'll work through anything. Um, so the other day, uh, I was at Walgreens, not the Walgreens that I usually go to. I had to go to a different Walgreens because the one I normally go to didn't have what I was looking for. So I go to, uh, another Walgreens and, uh, here I'm walking by and, you know, sometimes I observe everything and other times I observe nothing. <laughs> it's very odd. Sometimes I'm like, no matter what, I, I, I notice things. I notice so, the, the littlest things, but other things it smacked me in the face and I was clueless. And in this case, I, I had to be smacked in the face because I was clueless. I just see somebody coming up on me. I'm like, what the? And I'm like, who's, who's rushing me? And it, it was my daughter. She's like, oh my God, what are you doing here? So obviously, uh, you know, gave her a high five. No, I'm kidding. Uh, gave a... Uh, Give her a big hug and oh, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And and um, she had gotten a a canvas print of of a communion picture, and you know, that was what almost half her life ago. And uh, so when I saw it, it was like, wow, just like. In that picture, there was my little girl just staring at me, uh, how I picture her. And it was it was a very sentimental moment. And my daughter is very sentimental and cries for many things. So it's just like we're there kind of looking like two saps. It's <laughs> just <laughs> taking this moment in um, over a picture. And uh, but it was just it was. Uh, It was, you know, it was emotional, and uh, you know, that is my daughter, my little girl, and just seeing that picture, and you know, it brings back so much. Uh, time goes by so quick, and uh, and to get those little those little reminders of 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 your of your children through the ages and through the different things, and kind of kind of seeing in a print of. Almost how you see that, even though you know they're they're older, um, and and I'm sure my mother looks at me as her her uh, her baby, <laughs> and uh, for lack of a better term, um, even though <laughs> I haven't been close to a baby in decades, but I think as a parent, that's how you'll always see them. And uh, and don't get me wrong, um, it's it's not always you know peaches and cream. I've said this many times, nobody will upset you more than your own kids. It's like your kids know how to push every little button. And you wonder, why are they so well-behaved and listen to, they listen to other adults, but with you, everything has to be a challenge. And I think, um, I think most of the time, um, my uh, personality type 
Um, I would say I'm probably even keel. You know, I, I, I hold my emotions very well. I don't. I, my emotions are rarely on my sleeve. I don't open up, so I'm, I'm a fairly even keel person. Um, only with my kids do they get the extremes. And when I say the extremes, I'm not talking about like a, you know, a raving lunatic, uh, but just getting upset, getting the anger. And it's just like, it'd be so easy if kids just listened to you the first time. And uh, believe me, I know. I was, uh, I wasn't the model child. I, uh, I, I gave my parents moments <laughs> that they had to deal with the anger. So I know, I understand, but yeah, kids, they know how to push your buttons. And and many times when I get really angry and and then once I cool down, it's like, ah, let's see, let's get back to where we were. Um, and, and usually the younger they are, the quicker it goes back to normal. The older, uh, they they tend to hold a grudge a little bit, but um, it's uh, it's something you could always go back to the way things were and keep that good relationship. And yeah, um, they're gonna upset you, and they, just like that, hey, <laughs> kids get mad at you too, and uh, you, you do things and say things that upset them because um, we're not perfect. Parents are not perfect. Um, obviously there's a line you should never cross. I mean, not with your significant other, not with your kids, uh, there, you know, respect, physical, no, those are lines that should never be crossed. Um, you know, you get upset. Sometimes you have to get upset for them to know that, that they did wrong. But, um, once you get over it and then, you know, they're still your kids. They're still your pride and joy. And um, there's still nothing you wouldn't do for them. Uh, and I, I always say bad things, bad events, in the short term, they're exasperated. But long term, they those bad moments tend to fade away. But the good moments... Those are the ones that stick with you forever. So there's many times, you, you know, you look back uh, when you reminisce about things with your, your children. And, and like I said, that picture of her communion and things like that. Those are things that you remember. Cutting the book, or do you remember? Uh, times they got you very upset. It's like you have to be reminded because it's, it's like you move past it and, uh, and um You know, maybe you learn from it, but uh, but it's it's not something that 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 just gnaws forever. Uh, once you pass through the moment, and quickly it becomes history, and then you just go back to the good moments and you know the the, the great the great things you do with your kids and do for your kids. And um, one of the things that I I also mentioned during my Father's Day podcast was. There's no such thing as a perfect child. And it's something I struggle with. I struggle with very, and I try. And I, sometimes in the moment, 
you don't realize it and after it's like okay i gotta i gotta relax things um like with my daughter she gets excellent grades straight a student very smart um does stupid things every now and then but hasn't done anything where yeah, or I'm getting a phone call from somebody I don't want to get a phone call. Um, so, you know, basically she's a good kid. Uh, look, it is perfect. There's ups, there's downs. So she's a good kid, but she's a mess. And if she cooks something, the mess she leaves in the kitchen. And I get so upset about that because it's just like no consideration. And, and it happens. I'll clean it up. And I got to move on because for the most part, she's a good kid. She's not perfect. And we cannot put our kids on this perfect pedestal and expect them to maintain it. Because if you do that, there'll be so many falls from that pedestal. And I, I, I try to better myself with that and be realistic with my expectations and the important things to kids do what they're supposed to do. Um, my son, he's a handful. Oh, he can get hyper. And uh, I mean, he's <laughs> when he's when he's bad, he's really bad. But when he's good, uh, he's he's such a good kid. I mean, he he just loves to be with me, with his mother and spending time and doing things and yeah, does he not listen every now and then? Does he do things that are, are annoying? Yeah. But in school, he's great. Respectful in school. That's not something to ever have to worry about. Um, so it's kind of like, okay, let him be a kid. No kid's perfect. Try to keep them doing what they're supposed to do. But... Let the, you know, sometimes you have to let them fail or let them do the wrong thing to learn. So, um, and hopefully I've gotten better about, uh, with that over the years. And, uh, I'm sure there's still work to do. Um, I'm human. I'm not perfect, but, uh, for the most part, good kids. And, and I need to loosen things a little bit. Um, and, uh, Although with my daughter, I'm sure it's going to get really tough because she's entering that age that uh, I was not looking forward to uh, when she was born, <laughs> and it's come it's come very quickly. So uh, hopefully, I won't lose all my hair. Um, take some medication for ulcers, and uh, <laughs> and uh, hope for the best. And not dwell on little things that she does wrong. Um, as long as she does good in school, both my kids do in school, that is the most important thing because that is really what is the foundation of the future. So uh, most things, hey, they screw up here and there. It happens. Um, school, as I continue to do, that's, that's the most important thing. And uh, speaking of school, the school year, now all over the country, the school years don't 
or, or do not begin and end at the same time. Uh, some begin earlier, some begin later. Uh, typically, somewhere around August is well, they'll start opening up. Um, but now, because of that bastard COVID 19, um, things are different. And speaking of COVID 19, Lou Williams, Bethel player, Los Angeles Clippers. What were you thinking, dude? That's another story, but I just had to let that out. <laughs> uh, Lou Williams is a basketball player. He, as I've mentioned in another previous podcast, the NBA is in a bubble in Orlando. He left for a funeral. And what happens after the funeral? He ends up in a strip club. And there's a picture and posted on social media. And uh, even though he said there was no entertainers, which it's hard to believe, maybe there were no entertainers around him, and it's his favorite restaurant for food, legitimate but dude you know you're supposed to go back to a bubble you know you're you're taking a risk think about it is going there that one time worth i mean he's going to miss two games so what were you thinking this is a 33 year old man so obviously nobody's perfect <laughs> uh hopefully he'll learn and other players will learn from his mistakes but um going back to the topic of uh, schools and COVID-19. <sighs> there is uh, our president, Donald Trump, is pushing for schools to reopen. And many teachers and many on the other end are saying it's unsafe. And for me, uh, it's so difficult. I'm so on the fence about this because it's it's kind of like you're you're balancing safety over the de- development of children, um, especially certain ages where not having the classroom instruction can really hurt development. Not having that that classroom environment is is difficult now. The last, uh, what was it, three months of the school year, it was done at home, uh, online with various tools and um, different websites and um, and Zoom and uh, workbooks and things like that. And to be completely honest, uh, for my daughter, it was a little different, but for my son, who was still in elementary school, it was not challenging at all. He finished the workday so quick, um, and he also did his reading throughout the day. Um, very proud that he was tops in his grade as far as uh, reading points. I'm sure every state has uh, different uh, different platforms uh, that the kids use, but uh, so he's he did his reading, and but as far as the, the actual classroom work and tests and things like that, I just didn't see it challenging. Um, and I would tell him, I go, this is too easy for you. And you're like, oh, bah, bah, da, da, da. because of course, what do you see? It's not like, he's like, give me something hard. I want something hard, hard, hard. <laughs> like, I don't want to work. No, he's not going to do that. So when I see things like that, it worries me about the development. And, um, 
I think half a school year you can get by. But if you do a whole, uh, a half plus a whole school year, um, I think this kind of generation is really going to get hurt by it. And to what extent are we going to risk safety for for development? Um, And if we kind of go on the safety spectrum, can we make up the development over the years? Um, And it's, it's very difficult. I think one of the biggest problems, and this is, this is something I've always had a problem with is parents sending their kids to school sick. And I'm not talking about like a cold, but those parents who send their kids who've had a stomach virus, who've been throwing up or had diarrhea or have a fever. You don't send your kids to school like that. You're talking about things that can be very contagious and, and can really impact the health of other students. Um, and one, one award that I wish they would get rid of is the perfect attendance award. Because to me, it is not an accomplishment. It's something for the parents who said their kid did it. But really, it means nothing. Uh, more time, more times than not, it means I've sent my child to school even when they shouldn't have gone to school. And I think you're rewarding bad behavior. I'm going to be completely honest. My kids, not one grade have they received perfect attendance, not even close. And I don't care. If they're sick, they have a fever, they don't go. Um, simple as that. Um, and be completely honest again, I've, I've kept them out of school to do things with them. I've gone on trips. Um, go somewhere for a birthday. I have no problem. If, the kids are, if my kids are doing good in school, I don't have a problem with them missing a day. And especially when they know they're going to miss a day, they can prepare for it. So I, I never cared about the perfect attendance. Now, as far as tardiness, that's something I was, I, I took pride in that where, yeah, they might've missed days, but any day they went to school, they were never late because I would take them and they were always on time. So I took a lot of pride in that. Uh, not all parents do, but I did. So they were always there on time. But perfect attendance, it's, to me, it's just, it, it's an award that may do more harm than good. Um, and it's a, a nothing accomplishment. Uh, and I, I think, you once again, you're rewarding bad behavior in some cases. So with this COVID going on, even though I'm sure most parents will be responsible and not send their children to school sick, there are plenty out there that will be like, um, no, I'll let him go. He'll be fine. She'll be fine. I'll just stay away from people. Really? Um, so it's a, it's a huge risk. So I definitely understand the, the mindset of doing homeschooling, uh, at least to start the year and seeing how, uh, how things go from there. Um, Yes, I, once again, it does the, the the development part, the classroom instructions, all that. Uh, losing that is, I, th- I think, definitely hurts their development. Um, but I, I definitely understand why 
people would not, or parents would not want to send their schools at this time and teachers would not encourage or do not feel safe themselves um, to open up schools now. Uh, the thing about the schools is you have uh, kindergarten age five to let's say 12th grade, which can go up to maybe 19, in some cases, 20 year olds. So it's very different. Um, it's not it's not a one size fits all model, that's for sure. Uh, because uh, yeah, if you take kindergarten to let's say third grade, it's a lot different. It's a lot more handholding. It's a lot more uh, don't put your hands in your mouth, blah, 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 blah. So uh, it's it's much more difficult to control. Um, so how can you control little kids who, who don't really understand or cannot comprehend the magnitude of what's going on? Uh, how can you prevent? Um, what kind of protocols can be in place? Um, let's be honest. There... Are kids going to be able? Little kids going to be able to have the mask on all all day? It's going to it's going to be a nuisance for them. It's they're going to complain, and it's like teacher. Ah, ah, ah. So for those earlier grades, I think it's it's very tough. So what can we do? Um, now, as far as let's say high school students, you would think okay, they're at an age they understand. Uh, they should be able to be independent and do things. Okay, if they, if they, if they're wearing their mask, they can go to school. They can understand uh, the rules in place and uh, be given the guidance of what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. Um, and you would think it would work. And but let's be honest, a lot of those kids don't come from homes. And I'm when I say a lot, I'm not saying a high percentage. A lot means because when you're talking about how many millions of children or high school students are in this country, a lot, you know, a, a thousand is a lot of uh, students, even though it's a very small percentage of the millions who are in high school, but it's still a lot. So uh, a lot of kids don't come from homes that that are knowledgeable enough, educated enough to put things or to teach their kids what should be done, what should they not be done. Of course, because there's plenty of people out there, and I've spoken about it before, who, who've been, who've gotten their 15 minutes of fame for things they don't want to get their 15 minutes for, saying, I'm not going to wear a mask, blah, 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 blah. You know, if they have kids, you know, what are the his kids are going to do to school? They're going to be deniers, just like their parents. So, which can, and it only takes one to ruin everything. Um, you, know, you see, even in, in baseball, uh, the Florida Marlins, there had to be games canceled today because I believe 10 or 12 players and two or three coaches all tested positive for the virus. So what, what happened was it just took one player to get it and even though there's different protocols in place, you can see the players, even though when you watch the games, um, they're not doing the high fives and they're not getting as close. But, yeah, you can still see they're, they're not distant. Um, and it could just be, okay, this team, we see what happens when the 
safety protocols are not followed through 100%, what could happen? So, and these are grown men. These are our men in their 20s and in many cases, 30s. When you're talking about coaches, 40s, 50s, even 60s is possible. I'm not, I'm not sure the ages of the coaches, but still. Um, typically, they're 30 and over. Uh, probably the median age is somewhere in the 40s. Um, so it can happen there with people who've been educated, with uh, protocols who were no, that were negotiated by, by a union, um, a league, an ownership group, with professionals in the medical field um, to create this. So if it can happen there, it can happen in school. So if you take a high school students and say, okay, you're supposed to do this. This is what you need to do. Yeah, okay, I'll do it. But who knows if they're actually going to follow through and and do the right thing. Uh, now, the spikes that have been taking place the last uh, probably close to a month, um, it was it's it's been caused by reopenings of different uh, industries in in the states. Um, and one of the things that really, really spiked were uh, the youngsters, younger generations that were uh, that were contracting it at at high uh, at, at a high transmission rate. Now these were were they're not they weren't kids. These were people who men and women who were, you know, we're not teenagers, but we're not we're talking let's say the, the the clubbing, the bar, the the party generation, and they were going to bars and like I I've mentioned before, uh, it's hard for these bars, restaurants to to follow the restrictions to the T because they need to make money to be open. But it's on each individual to do their part to to reduce the transmission of this virus. So. There were, I won't even get into the COVID parties. Um, they have them popping up all over the country. But the spikes, many of the spikes were caused by the transmission because of these, the different parties or uh, good times people were having. And what, what happened? Somebody who's in their 20s who contracts the virus, they're, they're 20s, they're healthy, uh, no diabetes, no lung issues, no uh, heart issues, they're fine. But it's what, it's who they transmitted to after that. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, neighbors, um, friends. That can really get, which it can be really detrimental for them. So um, there were, uh, when I've had these conversations with my mother and um I said, I would tell her, look, they're just young and dumb. Now, young and dumb, there was a reason why somebody coined that phrase. <laughs> and I was young and I was dumb. I did stupid things in my youth. So you have the young, younger generations, just many of them don't have big picture um, thinking and forward thinking uh, or understanding what repercussions for different things. 
because they're young and dumb. They're they're doing these COVID parties because so they're young and dumb. Uh, they're going to this bar and they're getting in this group, taking off their mask. And once you start drinking and you start yelling and it's just saliva and cough, uh, just all going all over the place. Um, it's just being young and dumb. And then you talk about high school students who are younger and dumber. Uh, I was in my 20s. I was young and dumb. And in high school, I was younger and dumber. So, and yes, there are definitely plenty of mature high school students. But it, it only takes a handful to to really cause damage. So even though uh, many high school students are close to adulthood and should understand these things, it's hard to say, yeah, we can rely on them 100% to, to do the right thing, to understand um, the repercussions of, of breaking the protocols. Um, so in the end, what are you going to do? What, what can the schools do? Um, some states governors have, have tried to put in executive orders to force school school districts to open up the schools and which also leads to lawsuits from teachers unions or, uh, parents, things like that. Um, many districts are sending surveys home, uh, with either one, two, three options, which is, uh, a physical classroom, uh, home learning or hybrid, which is a couple days at school, or a couple days at home. Um, there's also with split, uh, split grade or split classes. So you'll take, let's say, a a class of thirty, where you can split it up, split it three ways. So then you'll never have more than ten students in the physical classroom at a time. Um, different districts are doing different things. Uh, in my district, it was, it was the, it was either class home or hybrid. Um, so, and many parents, I think most parents have selected home just because they understand, uh, what's going on. Now there might be some districts that are not very large or, and have a lot of deniers that might be like send them all back um but it's it's difficult it is it's a difficult time um there there definitely is some some progress as far as uh vaccines and vaccines with uh with multiple countries and companies um making significant progress uh with the hope by uh sometime close to the end of the year being available for for mass um, for let's say millions of uh, I guess the higher risk demographics would get them first so uh, probably the the elderly and then uh, infants and those with health issues underlying health issues that are are uh, make this virus put them in a higher risk group. So there's a lot that can happen from now to the end of the year. So I I think in most cases, homeschooling will be how many schools start. Um, And many school districts may, may, may go ahead and, and push 
the start of school a month, month and a half, uh, just to allow more time um, to see if better options or if things get better, things like that. So uh, we shall see. Um, it's definitely tough. It's definitely something that um, there's no perfect situation. And uh, yeah, even homeschooling is not, it's not perfect because so many parents, they work. Not not every parent has the ability to be home with their, ch- their child. Yeah, the unemployment is very high right now, but <laughs> that's not every household. Uh, so it's it's difficult for parents to to be able to keep their children home. And um, and many parents who had their kids in school or summer camps or before care, after care, uh, if you get rid of all that, it's, what are they going to do? Um, they can't, if they're, if they are working, they can't quit their job. And if they were laid off or furloughed, looking for jobs or picking up things here, it's, it's very difficult because parents have to support their families. So, it's it's no perfect solution for anything. Uh, let's just hope that uh, the vaccine comes out, numbers drop, and uh, our kids can get back to school safely. And uh, I'm sure many kids would love to go back to school. They miss their friends. They miss, you know, PE, <laughs> recess, or some love science. Um, some love math. Some love history to to get kind of get back in the swing of things and and uh, even in the high schools it was pretty sad. Um, you know, the class of two thousand they missed out on a lot: prom, grad night, graduation, um, just different activities that are for seniors or even middle school graduations or elementary school graduations. Those those are memories those kids are never going to have and. and and it's horrible. I, I feel bad for those kids. Um, and it, it would really, it would be sad if it was two years in a row. Uh, so we have another class that that falls victim. And yeah, they may be health, healthy and things like that. But it's still, it's still, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal. But it is a big deal. These are experiences in life. So uh, once again, let's just hope for the best. And I'd say we've been preparing for the worst. We've been going through the worst. So uh, keep the, nah, let's let's maintain the hope. And without hope, we have nothing. So uh, hopefully you know, 10 podcasts from, from now, we'll be talking about, uh, or maybe 20 podcasts from now, we'll be talking about how, so, how, how it was with school starting. So uh, we'll see. Every day there's something new. Um but uh, let's just hope. And uh, with that, I will conclude this podcast. If you have any comments or uh, topics you would like me to kind of dabble in, feel free to send an email uh, to digging for something. That's digging the number for something at AOL.com. I love that AOL email. And uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Digging for Something. I am JJ, and I will see you when I see you.